Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on once again with Chizo, and I'm on tonight with JB. How are you going, champion? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. And just the two of us. So we've been we've been ditched by a few of the the people that just come and go, and you know the regulars stick around. Just a nice little quiet evening, chatting away. A little bit of red wine, a bit of a pinot, and. Uh, uh, just a, some cheese and some crackers here just between you and me. Just talking a little bit of Supercoach. Uh, today we're going to focus on the ruck line, JB. We're doing our positional um, uh, podcast as we go line by line and talk about the players who we think are the most relevant. Uh, JB, I'm going to hand over to you to host. Um, give me a player that is really intriguing your interest to start this season. Yeah, so obviously I'm hosting as I'm not the intelligent one in this conversation. So we'll start <laughs> off with uh, Sammy Jacobs. So we'll go from we'll go through teams, uh, team by team here. And Adelaide Sam Jacobs. He was on a lot of people's radars early on in the preseason. Obviously, a player that you can expect twenty two games from, and just that that mid to high ninety average. He's been doing it for years now. Uh, so he seems like a safe selection, Chizo. Is there anything stopping us from, from picking Big Sammy? I think he's going to be a safe selection, but you've got to kind of decide whether you want to be safe or do you want to win it, is, is the kind of way that I'm thinking about it. Sam Jacobs is also sharing the buy uh, with the likes of Danger and, and and Dusty and players like this. So if you think you can fit in another round 14 buy player, then um, then you know go for it. But for me, um, I'm seeing better options around his price range particularly. And um, during the JLT, he only had a hit out win percentage of 42% in comparison to you know, like Gorns, Riders, Grundies, um, even McAvoy and Sandlands and uh, and. Zach Smith and stuff that were all 10 to 15% uh, hit out win uh, higher than him. So um, he's not one that's going to probably finish in the top four um, average-wise. Um, he's one that, as you say, does play 22 games, so that's where he's going to make it up in total points. So um, do you want to go safe or um, you know buys, depending whether you can actually pick him? Yeah, and he is safety personified. He's been doing it for years and years at that that 90 average that we spoke about and pretty much if you want to lock away that player that you're not going to have to think about he's not going to score too low for you he's not going to score too high for you uh he's pretty much just going to be around that top five mark in the right department then i mean that's there's a lot of safe players out there i'm personally one of them but sam jacobs might just be a little too safe for me i think there are some more enticing options. One of them being Stefan Martin. So we've seen him do it in the past with uh, with big averages just a few years ago. 125 in his first JLT hit out of 75% time on ground. A bit more quiet in the second JLT hit out. But I think the question that we ask when talking about Steph Martin is his ruck partner. So if you receive some sort of assurity that Stefan would be rucking solo for the entirety of the season, which a lot of people are sure that he will be. So that's where I'm bringing that figurative assurity from, Chizo. Would you be starting Steph Martin? Oh, look, I've got absolutely no dramas with Steph Martin. I can see um, exactly why people um, see his upside. If we're looking just in the JLT series, he was the only uh, only one of two um, Ruckman to average above 12 disposals a game in the JLT. He averaged 19.5. Second with Mac, was Max Gorn with 13.5. So there's a he is a big chasm between first and second in terms of um, disposals. Brun, uh, Brody Grundy is usually the one that um, challenges him for that mantle, but 
the way that Cox has been playing in the JLT and towards the back end of last year, and he's looking likely he's someone that can play more than 15 games this year, that's really going to impact the amount of ball and the amount of time that he's going to have around it. So he's clearly going to be the best ball-winning Ruckman, I think, this year. And not only that, um, he gets to a lot of contests as well. So he's right up there with the the, um, the amount of Ruckman that get to more contests. And you're going to naturally get that as a solo Ruckman. But as you say, if he's rucking solo, then there's um, there's no reason why he can't be in your consideration. And JLT saw that. I think we have to keep in mind that JLT won. He played against Sydney that... Um, You've got uh, Dean Tower spending a lot more time as that secondary ruck than probably you will do during the season. Um, but it's definitely, you, you can't shy away from someone putting up a 125 as a ruckman for us uh, in 2018. Yeah, and, and what, are you, what are your thoughts on the second ruckman at Brisbane? So last year they were very keen on, on getting some time into Archie Smith and they now even have a, a couple of decent young ruckmen on the list. Do you think... This will be another concern of theirs in 2018, or are they going to be more focused on making sure Steph uh, Steph gets the mantle and has it to lose? Look, I think he definitely has the mantle to lose. I, I know he's coming towards the end of his career, but we haven't seen enough from Archie Smith to say that he's going to force his way into the back line because Martin does enough. Stefan Martin does enough around the ground, and he does. He's improving as a ruckman. Um, he had fifty-two percent hit-out win percentage in the JLT, which is you know uh, top five over the JLT. So um, he's definitely improving in that aspect. But I, I just don't see Archie Smith playing as much of a role as what people think. He might um, get some games for development here and there, which you can expect that from basically any other ruckman. They're going to have chop out at some point. Um, even with the the Gorn and Ryder, they um, you know West off and that tends to get in the way. So you're going to have games where he's not going to be doing those one thirties that he we know he can. Um, maybe he's coming off a, a bruise or something like the the week before. But um, the thing that interests me is that he's got a round thirteen buy and there's not many players that we can pick in round thirteen across our uh, our line. So um, his buy really appeals to me as well. Yeah, and you mentioned Brody Grundy earlier, another player who's struggled with his second ruck. A decent JLT series, 103 off his first game, 91% time on ground, so that's, that's quite high. The second game, only 66 when Mason Cox scored well, and it's looking like that's going to be the story all year. So do we pretty much eliminate Brody Grundy, one of the best young ruckmen in the competition from our, our supercoach heads, just due to the fact that Cox will be seeing a lot of game time this year? Well, I don't even go one further than that. When he was drafted... The talk about him was he's going to be the next Dean Cox. He's going to be the next Ruckman that is going to dominate the competition both inside a Ruck contest and on the outside on the spread. He's now starting to get to an age where these big guys can consistently influence a game. We know he's a big possession getter, and over the JLT he averaged 58 contests per game. Compare that to Maxi Gorn who averaged 72 and if we take into consideration Mason Cox uh, had 22, you know, he's taking a, a sizable chunk away from Brody Grundy that Max Gorn is getting just by being the solo ruck. So he needs to start um, getting... A, if he's a solo ruck, I think everyone... No one in, in Supercoach will um, say that he's not going to be a top two, top three ruckman. But it's just that... We see Mason Cox is going to be playing more time this year, and we just have no assurance that he's going to 
um, improve in any way considering that his amount of time around the ball is going to be um, the same as last year or the years previous or even reduced depending on how Mason Cox goes because if you look at Mason Cox's hit-out percentage, he, he averaged 52.3% of all hit-out contests he won. So he's getting 10 hit-out contests a game that he's winning or that he's taking away from Brody Grundy just because he's so good at it. So um, if while Cox in the, is in the team, I don't see Grundy being able to fulfill his potential as being the next Dean Cox. Yeah, and we know full well that that Cox will be in that side, especially how he can, how he uh, performed in JLT two. So didn't play in the first one, then one hundred and forty five of eighty nine percent time on ground. We won't really talk about him as a ruck option because he's mainly one to consider for your forward lines, but he just looked that good that he's going to have those crazy big games and just take points sharp points away from Grundy unfortunately so it makes uh, either of them hard to select because they're both going to be consist- inconsistent and dependent on the other person's form so it's it just makes it very very cloudy in the in the whole Collingwood ruck department so unfortunately we're going to have to we're going to have to do a bit of a hard pass on those guys and then we go to someone like Matthew Cruiser, who doesn't have a second ruckman barking down the door. Um, obviously, they recruited Lobie in the offseason, but I assume that's just for worst-case scenario if uh, Cruiser goes down. So we can expect him to play as the sole ruck. He's 603k, uh, easily the most expensive ruckman due to his last season. Is this the type of price tag you're willing to cop out for someone who might not even play 15-plus games, Jizo? I think Pistol summed it up best when he was talking to me the other day. We saw what the best and the worst of what you get when you buy into Matthew Cruiser. We saw the incredible scoring potential he has and um, his impact that he can have inside a contest and, and contested possessions and tackling and things like that and moving forward and kicking a couple goals. And, you know, the skill that he has, um, rightly being a number one draft pick back in the day. But we also saw the other end of the spectrum that you get when you buy into a Matthew Cruiser. You get that slight little niggle and then, you know, his next two weeks on ice. You know, yeah, he. You know, anyone can roll their ankle, but there seems to be players that always that it always happens to. And Matthew Cruz is one of those. Um, I do like the fact that he's got a round twelve buy. There's not many players that we're buying in. You've only got Carlton, Hawthorne, Western Bulldogs, and West Coast Eagles. There's not many premium options that you're going to be buying into at that stage. Maybe a Titch, maybe a Yo in the back line, but there's no not a whole lot that you'll be getting into. So if you're going to have an expensive person, uh, an expensive player, around 12 isn't a bad option. It's a little bit worrying. I think a lot of us were had had picked him going into um, JLT1, saw JLT1, were really happy with our selection, and then got that reality check, and we're just like, oh, okay, let's start shopping around. Let's see what we can get for this 603K. The only positive thing, JB, that um, I think you can do with Matty Cruiser is that if something does go wrong, he's 603K. You can get anyone you want. If someone comes out of the blocks, Brody Grundy somehow um, is fulfilling his destiny and he's averaging 110, you can get him if you wanted to because he's the most expensive player in the ruck line. So that's the only positive that if you do pick him, you at least have that security to go down if you have to. Yeah, definitely. The security does help. It's crazy to think that the, the Bruckman that was so dominant last year is actually in so few teams this year. So he's only been selected in 5.6% of teams, and that seems to be steadily dropping since that ankle injury, even though he's been uh, he's been said to be playing round one, locked in by Ed Kerno. Uh, it is it is a little perplexing to, to think that such a dominant Ruckman could be 
uh, so lowly owned. But then again, you, you just consider that that injury history and it's, it's so hard to weigh up whether it's worth the risk or not considering we've got players like Patrick Ryder who we'll talk about now, uh, Chizo. So um, someone that obviously you're taking a donut for in round 10, but someone that we might actually see uh, outscoring the rest of the opposition Ruckman or at least outplaying them in games played, uh, that he might not even matter that he takes that zero. Well, yeah, it's interesting with with Paddy Ryder because he didn't really seem to get out of second gear in the JLT, did he? Like he he was just kind of cruising around, going up for ruck taps, just basically palming it down people's throats at will, and then just kind of cruising over to the next contest. There was not that real um, kind of hunger. I think I think these big guys do take a little bit of time to get up to speed, so they've just kind of primed him for round one. So um, it, it's it's great to see that he's gone from you know a good score from a good time of ground, and then from the same time of ground in the next game, he's improved that score. Um, we kind of seeing that progression, that work into the the preseason. I'm not on the bandwagon of people that think he can average 114 for the entire season like he did off the end of the, the back of last year post buys. I think he's definitely going to probably he, he, he's definitely going to probably <laughs> he's definitely going to be top two in my eyes total points if he plays the whole game. I think there's only Max Gorn that will outscore him. I think he's going to score more than Matty Cruiser this year. I think Cruiser is going to be impacted a little bit by the loss of Bryce Gibbs and. I think Paddy Ryder is just going to improve and they're going to be about the same mark. So you've got to kind of consider with the whole Paddy Ryder situation, I might get you to explain it a little bit better because uh, it's taken you and Pistol about four weeks to wrap my head around it, <laughs> that you're not actually getting technically, air quotes, a donut by not playing him in round 10 because of a rookie score that, um, you won't have to take during the buys by him being an extra premium during rounds 12, 13, and 14. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you, you almost said it there. So obviously we're taking the donut in round 10, which is a bit tough to swallow. People are already shaking their heads saying, nope, I'm not going to get that far behind in the competition. But it only takes you uh, three or four rounds to make some of that score back up. So... Uh, when some people, I mean, those with Sam Jacobs, those with Matty Cruiser, uh, those with, uh, I don't know, your Todd Goldstein's, your Toby Nankovices, those players aren't getting those that one score during the, the buy rounds in which Paddy plays all three of. So when you consider the fact that they're going to be getting a zero in the rack, which is non-negotiable, uh, same as it's non-negotiable for you in round 10, you can't put someone on the field for that. That means they're going to have to be fielding a rookie elsewhere. Obviously, in that 18, you're not going to have 18 premiums every single buy round. That rookie score is compare, uh, compared directly to what Ryder scores that round, considering you've got Ryder over whichever rookie they're playing. So it is a bit difficult to wrap your head around, but considering their, their worst score in that 18 might be 60, and you've got Paddy Ryder coming in, making your worst score 80 or 90, it, it's, it's the the 20 or 30 points that you can just make back right there and then. So I'm not sure if I've explained that the best Chizo, but the math is there. You can definitely, you can definitely DM the page, PM the page and we'll explain it a little more uh, using numbers and, and visuals. Cause that's, that's how it's best explained. Uh, but the, the picking Patrick Ryder is only really picking him to score three to five more points per game than any other Ruckman. So if you're confident he can do that, and especially considering his run home last year, I think 110 is definitely within his grasp, and that would make him 
uh, quite easily the best uh, selection behind Max Gorn. And that's about it as well as we can describe it between you and me. Pistol's the one that really has got his head wrapped around it and is so big on Ryder this uh, this preseason. So if you do want a better explanation, hit up Pistol underscore DRSC on Twitter or inbox the page and he can DM you there. He'll... Um, He's got all the numbers and spreadsheets and stuff that he'll be able to show you. So um, that's about as, as much as I can describe that one, JB, but the math stands up. Yeah, he, de- he definitely does explain it the best. And when he, when he says it, it's so obvious. But then when you try to say it back, it's like numbers and, and explanations make Ryder the best. So just believe me. <laughs> so we're going to move on anyways, Chizo. Um So I, I think Patrick Ryder is a great option. I, you think the same. Pistol thinks the same. We've, I think we've all got him in our team, actually. Someone who's emerging as potentially a better option, Chizo, is Toby Nankovic. So he's he's gained a lot of steam in the in the last couple of days, especially since his big one thirty two off of seventy five percent time on ground in JLT two. Obviously, uh, we didn't see him due to concussion in the first one. He improved so much at the beginning of last year but then really tailed off. If he improves his tank, there's almost nothing to to sort of argue. If Richmond and Nank's tank <laughs> improve, he could go 100-plus Chizo. Is this something that you've you've sort of played with, considering he's at actually a lot cheaper than uh, your other options like Paddy? No, it, it's honestly not something I'm considering. Like, uh, this this is your typical JLT hype for me. I Nankervis has come out with... 132, and he's just locked. He's just absolutely locked. Why aren't we? Why aren't we saying the same thing about <laughs> Stefan Martin that actually made it through two JLT games and scored the same? You know, like Toby Nankervis is not a genuinely good ruckman. He's one of those old school ruckmen that battle around the ground, um, halve contests, um, get it, bring it to ground so their elite midfield can um, fight under the ball, but. He's not going to be a hundred and five average for the season. He's going. He had these games last year where he he scored well, and then he had games where he scored not so well. So it's. I can see him improving on last year. I'm not seeing him going to such a point that he's going to be um, a point of difference. And again, you're taking a risk on someone that you're going to have to keep for the year. He's not going to make enough money to make the pick worth worthwhile. He's already four hundred and eighty eight thousand. And then you've got to consider that if you're keeping him, he's already around 14. So he's another guy that you've got to pair with the likes of Sloan's, Matty Crouch's, Fife's, Lockie Neal's, Danger, Ablett, Joel Selwood, Dusty. Um, yeah, Dusty. Like there's um, even a Parker, Billings in the foot. There's so many in round 14 that I just can't see him doing well enough to be a keeper or fitting into my buy structure. Yeah, and fair enough. The buy structure is definitely something that needs to be considered, and uh, it does affect a lot of our ruckmen. Um, so I pretty much agree with your sentiments. I think he can be a good pick if you structure your buys around him, but I don't know if he's good enough uh, to <laughs> I, do I wouldn't. I wouldn't be structuring my buys around Toby Nankerb. No. So I'd be structuring him around Danger or, um, or Five, I mean, something like that. You could have a lot of belief. <laughs> <laughs> it depends on your beliefs, I guess. I mean, there's, there's a lot of Tigers fans out there, I guess. Um, so, can I get your thoughts quickly on uh, Max Gorn, Chizo? Locked. You said quickly, didn't you? <laughs> and that, yeah, well, I just said thoughts. <laughs> oh, thoughts, okay. Quick thoughts. Locked. Okay, excellent. <laughs> uh, so, we'll move on to someone that everyone had paired up with Max Gorn in the preseason. Now, we're hearing word, Chizo, and I think you're going to scoff at me, 
But Nick Nat will play round one is the latest reports. I think we've heard this and then we've heard he's out for the season and then his career's over and he's he'll never be able to jump again and he's he's in a wheelchair and he's in round one and he's gonna score hundred and fifty and captain option for the year and everything. Every report has come out in the last three to four hours advising all of those bits of information. What do we do with Nick Nat? I love clickbait. Clickbait is <laughs> it, well, it, clickbait is real because it works. You can post someone's name and anything. I've Look at all the stuff that we've heard about Danger. Even in the last 24 hours, we heard he's going to play. We heard he's probably looking at around two or around three. You can't, you can't trust every little um, article that pops up onto the net because everything is just trying to drag in views. And my view have, have on Nick Nat, I try to formulate around what the actual club is telling us, not um, ex-Fremantle um, now player managers or whoever it was that came out and said a rumour <laughs> that he heard about no, no cartilage in his knee. I can tell you from my background that if he's got no cartilage in his knee, he's not playing AFL again. <laughs> he's in a wheelchair, so, I told you that. You, you, you've got to you've got to understand that there's going to be a lot of hype around these players, and particularly because he is Nick Nat, that there's always hype around him. If he plays round one, that's what the West Coast Eagles have been saying the whole time. They said at the in start of December he was probably going to make it back for JLT two. They said that months out, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, he's playing in the waffle during round two of JLT." That's exactly when he was supposed to come back. He's had no advancements or knockbacks from his his rehabilitation from what they were planning him for. So he's basically bang on the money from what we expect based on what the West Coast Eagles media are telling us. So what we take away from that is that because he's had limited game time, when he comes into round one, he's not going to be scoring the 110 average that everyone thinks he's going to. He's going to warm slowly into the season. He might come back in the back half of the season and be performing ridiculous and being um, from you know round 10 onwards, he might be the, the second highest scoring ruckman. But I don't think it's going to happen to the start at the start. And when they do play him at the start, they're probably going to pair him with Scott Lysett, so his score's not going to be great anyway. So let's talk about Lysett. Is he a viable option then to start with and jump on this hot streak from Nick Knapp? After this this round, I know it's if like it's, you're talking figuratively here, but if Nick Nat does actually go on a hot streak, is it in our considerations to want to get on that and have someone that just makes us money in the meantime? No, I'm I'm not going anywhere near Lysette because he's a chop out. He's not a ruckman. He's your backup for some guy that's coming back from an ACL injury. He's not going to be your standalone ruckman. His win, uh, his hit out win rate in the JLT was thirty four percent. It was the third worst of the top 28 rucks in the league for contests attended during the preseason. He is That's in the preseason when ruckmen are just warming up. <laughs> you think he's going to come out in, come out into the regular season and just be an absolute jet? It's not happening. That was against a half-pacing uh, Paddy Ryder, you said. Absolutely. He, he attended, um, f- uh, on average, 45 uh, con- ruck contests a game during the JLT. And he had uh, 15.5 hitouts. To put that in perspective, the closest person to him was Dawson Simpson, 
who averaged 44.5 contests and averaged 22 hitouts a game. So his 34.4% is so far below Max Gorn, who averaged uh, 56.6, Paddy Ryder 53.3, Brody Grundy 56.9, even Steph Martin 51.4. That's your benchmark. You know, Scott Lysett is not going to play well enough to make you enough money to be a decent pick. He's he's too expensive for my eyes um, at 277k. If he was a cheap, if he was like Darcy Cameron, and he was going to be averaging 60s, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, definitely. But I I just don't see. I think it's a waste of money and a and a waste um, at R two or and for those that have it at R three, just so they can picnic Nat, spend your money elsewhere. Spend it elsewhere. Uh, I do agree. And, I mean, that, that sort of applies to Dawson Simpson as well. He did score 83 in the first JLT out of 80% time on ground, but then a 30 in the second JLT. And it just doesn't look like he's going to be that option that people suspected. And Rory Lobb won't spend that much time on the sideline anyway. So I think we can put a line through him as well. They're, they're definitely players that when I see them in a team, I just think, how are you going to get money to upgrade these players when they start? so poorly in the season like round one through five if these players put out a 50 to 60 average what are you going to do you can't go up from there because you're so far down you can't go down because Darcy Cameron might be the only bloke playing and he's going to be averaging 20 less than 30 <laughs> it's, it's crazy <laughs> so <laughs> so you're pretty much trapping yourself in with these players and I don't know about you Chizo but I've got little to no faith that they can put churn out a 70-plus average for the season. And if we're talking about Dawson Simpson here, for example. GWS learnt the hard way last year that if they go with too many big men, they can't keep up with the small forwards. And if they take Dawson Simpson and Rory Lobb into a game, then they're just... And Jeremy Cameron and and their uh, pattern as yeah, well. Yeah, but I'm, like I'm, I'm talking like talking more like their ruck line, for example. Then they're, just, they're losing that position. Would you rather having another small forward or a pressure forward when you're going to have so many inside 50s or would you like would you want Dawson Simpson as a, a lumbering um, you know 30 something ruckman I know he's not that old but <laughs> it just doesn't make sense from a team that over the last two prelims should have learned that you don't need two designated big guys running through the ruck to keep up because they got knocked out by the Bulldogs that basically had no ruckman. They got knocked out by um, the Tigers that only have Toby Nank and he's just there providing contest. They're not going to play both at the same time. So if Rory, Rory Lobb's fit, Dawson Simpson's not playing. Simple as that. And if Rory Lobb is fit by round two is what we're all hearing or round three around then, you're not even getting a price rise from Dawson Simpson anyway. So that I, I wouldn't be going anywhere near him either. Yeah, and at, like we said, Simpson and Lysette both just look like your classic trap options. They're definitely not Jared Witts, who had the the scoring potential in the past, had the number one rock roll. I mean, there were thoughts of Nichols coming coming in and destroying it, but let's compare Nichols and Lobb. Like, I think the the better player definitely uh, is is an obvious choice there. So, I think um, I think a lot of people are getting getting a bit uh, a bit of uh, what's the when you remember back into your past and it all looks better than what it was, <laughs> nostalgia. They're getting nostalgic feelings from... Uh, grass is greener on the other side. Wits. Yeah, grass is greener. So I think we need to give up on these these cheaper options. And that may actually include Darcy Cameron. So let's pitch... Uh, Dar- actually, wait, I'm getting ahead of myself here. We need to chat about Todd Goldstein. He hasn't been spoken about yet. So 
82 in the first JLT out of 86 game time, 86%, and 81 in the second one out of a half of footy. Priest played the second half, had similar numbers, but way lower, lower impact on the game, apparently. What do we think of Todd Goldstein? And although North Melbourne have hinted at the two Ruckman, going in with the two Ruckman in the next season, do you think it's Todd Goldstein's position to sort of give up? If he's not, if he's dominating as that only Ruckman in round one, surely they just let him go until he ties out. I think you're right. I think what we've, t- I know all, a lot of coaches' um, statements are a little bit convoluted, but what I took away from Scott's was that they're going to play one Ruckman at any given time, but at any given time, we don't know which Ruckman they're going to choose. Bruce absolutely matched Goldstein point for point during the preseason. They had the same amount of hit-outs, same amount of disposals, same amount of uh, like, um, uh, pressure points. You know, like they, they were almost identical. Goldstein in the second JLT played at the start of the game when the game was closer. In the second half... Bruce came on and played in a glo- in a blowout against the defending premiers. Even though he had the same stats as Goldstein, the scaling doesn't allow them to have the same points. So everyone's kind of saying, oh, we scored 80, 81 in 40% game time, and Bruce only scored 30. That's a clear answer, but it's not. And I'll give you some stats from last year, JB. I'm going to compare Goldstein and Bruce with Grundy and Cox. They're, I'm not going to make any assumptions. I'm just going to throw some numbers at you. When Goldstein and Bruce played together, Goldstein averaged 78. When Grundy and Cox played together, Grundy averaged 82. When Goldstein played without Bruce, he averaged 103. And when Grundy played without Cox, he averaged 106. It's, this, it's almost a mirror image. These two guys have a second ruck that has the potential to influence their score on every given week, except what, we can, what we're taking from North Melbourne this year is that it, rather than just taking some points away, it might even take their position away. And so Goldstein has been one of our go-to rucks for many, many years, but there's just too many questions for me about whether he is going to genuinely play 22 games as the solo ruck for the full year when Braden Pruce is literally banging the door down in the VFL and performing almost statistically the same as Todd Goldstein. Yeah, I, I do agree. And I'd like your comparisons to Grundy and Cox because when I see people with Goldstein in their team and and sort of looking down on those with with Grundy, I mean, it's it could very well be the same situation this year. We just think that Priest might play less game time, but there's nothing guaranteeing that. I mean, we know Cox will play a lot. So I guess it's a safe bet to say Priest will play less than Cox, but he could still very well play a lot, and that would definitely still affect Goldstein. It's not, it's not that it's a competition as to who plays more out of the two. They're both going to be factors. So I think it's a very heavy risk for not a huge reward, considering Goldstein's probably capped at that 110 average. So. I mean, there's a lot of question marks on our Ruckman, and I don't think there are many, many Ruckman that can really put their hands up. That's why we're discussing the Sam Jacobs, because they're safe. Like, these players are guaranteeing their average, pretty much. The rest of them are pretty, are very, very much in the air. So, um, I guess that's why we've all really warmed to Ryder, uh, Chizo. So, one last guy I'd like to chat about before we get into Darcy Cameron and the, the potential... 
uh, loophole options is Zach Smith. So um, Stanley obviously injured again. Zach Smith does average very well without him, and he scored 98 and 61% time on ground. Could be a bit of a sneaky POD. I think we all thought, um, you know, back in, you know, 2011, 2012, when we first picked Zach Smith, um, that he was going to be one of these fantastic ruckmen for fantasy for years to come. And then a couple of us got sucked into picking him to go that extra step a few years later, and he just kept averaging 70 for years. I think it, it, it was just... He was perennially just going to be that 70 average. I think we've seen that he's at a stage of his career where if he's playing as a solo ruck, again, we're talking about that solo ruck situation, he can score. But I'm not sure that he's the kind of player that can do enough around the ground to ruck solo for an entire season. And Reece Stanley's you know, a solid play. He can play a number of roles. And so there's more excuses to have someone in their team like Reece Stanley, whether he's playing forward, back, through the ruck, or ever, that he's probably going to be present at some point. And if he's present, they're more than likely going to send him to chop out for Zach Smith. And that's going to influence his score. We saw when he went down early with that calf injury, Zach Smith came out and went fantastic. And again, the main thing that, um, well, not the main thing, but one of the things that you have to take in consideration, particularly because you've only got two Ruckman, is that if you're picking him, he's going to have the same buyers like as Danger and stuff like that. So if you're confident that Reece Stan- if Reece Stanley did an ACL, that would that would uh, uh, as bad as that would be, <laughs> that would be the only news that would make me consider Zach Smith. Yeah, and that's right. He has to have that sort of role locked down all year. So. It uh, doesn't really go well with another in the team. Uh, just well, pretty much theme of this podcast is uh, second second players in that team playing the same role equals bad. So of those options, Cheese, I'll just get you to quickly rank them for me. I get Pierce to do this and never warn him that I'm about to do it. So let's see how you go. Now, if you could pick five Ruckman per se to just go in order of consider safety, average potential, injury risk, uh, second Ruckman risk include Max Gorn as well. So I think I've already picked your number one Ruckman. Hey, yeah, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing the list here, mate. I'm doing the list here, mate. I'm going to give you five. Okay, All right. okay, okay. You don't have to go Gorn number one. You don't have to go Gorn number one. But just give us five rucks. What do you say? All right. So I've had half a second to think about it, and Max Gorn is at number one. JB correctly, oh, pre- correctly predicted. I, I gave you that correctly one. predicted. Thanks for that. That that I only have to think of four now. Um, number two, <laughs> number two for me is Paddy Ryder. I think that his upside is better. Having a team that is in the premiership window, having Rockcliffe around is going to only um, increase the chances of getting hit outs to advantage, which is going to help him uh, being a, a great tap, uh, tap ruckman as he is. Uh, number three would be Matty Cruiser. Um, I don't think you can ignore his scoring potential. He was the top scoring ruckman last year. The only thing that probably affects him negatively is his potential for injury, which we've already seen in the preseason that drops him down uh, just a little bit on my rankings. I think that number four for me would have to be a Brody Grundy. I think I'm, I'm going to look past the Mason Cox and think that there is some natural progression in the young Ruckman that he can push his average into the triple figures this year. Um, and he's going to be fourth on my list. And I think for uh, my final uh, pick is going to be Steph Martin. 
I think he's going to average about the same, about that uh, 95 to 100 range. I don't think he's going to be in the top echelon, but he's going to have games where he racks up the pill, gets some hit outs, and uh, with a developing Brisbane midfield, he um, might actually get a hit out to advantage in 2018. Yeah, and we've got the same list, except I'd probably have Steph Martin up there at four. So I think he can really lock down that role and, and average the 100 plus, but there is still that risk, which is why I'm not starting him. So. Uh, great list, great, very informative, and thank you for explaining that. Now, we'll jump into Darcy Cameron, um, just as an option, 26 off 54% time on ground and 37 off 63% time on ground. Doesn't look very appealing. If he does play, which I assume will be uh, sporadically, not, not in any sort of like, he's going to play round 1 through to 10, and then we'll see how we go. I think he'll come in and out depending on the on the opposition do we consider Darcy Cameron? Do we play him just because he's a, a rookie ruckman that might play? Or are we more, probably more benefited to do the, the whole loophole thing there and not elsewhere on the ground? Because it is essential. Well, there's a couple of different points that all kind of uh, intertwined. Darcy Cameron is not AFL standard as a ruckman. That's, that's point number one. That's it's evident to see from the JLT. He is not at the standard to be a ruckman in the AFL for a long period of time right now. There's not saying that he won't be a good ruckman in the future. He's just not going to do what um, Jared Witts did last year as a rookie for us. It's not going to happen. The second point is, if you're going to have a captain loophole, it makes sense to have it at R3 because your R3 never generates enough cash, uh, really never generates any, uh, enough cash to be a a spot that is um, filled up with a playing rookie. I see a lot of people doing an M11 or a D8, and I just think that's absolutely crazy considering the amount of forward rookies, uh, sorry, the amount of midfield rookies and the amount of defender rookies that we have this year, and the fact that these guys are going to average way more than probably what Darcy Cameron is going to average anyway. So having him in your team is already a negative because he's not making as much money as the guy he could have had. So the the the, the two points to that. But the, the last one is the, the captain loophole is because there are two players that are $202,000 that you can pick in there and sit for the rest of the year and you don't have to worry about them getting a game. For example, you can get a Lockie Murphy that um, had played the JLT for Adelaide. He's a $202,000 uh, $202, player that many people didn't think was going to get a game this year and suddenly he's in a, in a round one chance. So the Ruckman is the safest bet not to get any games and be a season-long Ruckman uh, uh, captain loophole. So the, there's kind of three points why I don't think we should be picking Darcy Cameron. Obviously, the most important one is he just doesn't, he's not up to standard yet. So I'm not looking at him to be a cash gal at all at the moment. Yeah. And I mean, you've already answered it because we, we do know you have Ryder, but those considering, or those who have Ryder, should they be considering Darcy Cameron, especially over those who have uh, Grundies and, and cruises, etc., just for the pure fact that we might make 30 points of those back in round 10 if Darcy Cameron is selected that round, even though it's a, a strong chance he isn't, a possible chance he is, we're not sure yet. Is it worth it the 20K captain's loophole ruining risk to try and make those 30 points immediately back? Well, you, you've answered your question there. If you're picking Paddy Ryder, you're expecting him to be a top two ruckman this year and you're expecting him to... 
uh, make up those points that you're going to lose out from not being able to play a rookie during the season. And all he has to do is average five points more than the next bloke in, in um, that you could have picked, and that move is going to pay off. What's not going to pay off is the fact that you've got Darcy Cameron um, in that spot, and even if he doesn't play, he's not a good loophole option anyway. Because he plays for the Swans, they play in prime time spots. He's not going to be a good loophole option. Yeah, no, I do agree. I do agree. I considered it when the news of a of the Sydney Ruckman going down. I did consider what it meant for for those who have Ryder and me being one of them since uh, Supercoach opened. Essentially, thought, well, this is this is my time to make up thirty points. If maybe worst case scenario, he only goes two points above the other Ruckman instead of what I think to be five to ten then at least I've got 30 points there and it, it turns out to be a win anyway. But essentially, as as you just said, there's every chance he doesn't play um, and he's not making money and he's ruining your loophole and you're backing Ryder in to do better than that anyway. So like no one, no one backs a player in saying, yes, he will be one point better than the competition. Like it's just, you, you sort of go hard or go home with the Paddy Ryder pick. So... Um, I think you're right. I think it's hard to sort of justify having Cameron unless you're really keen on making money wherever you can and not having a captain's loophole, Chizo. Yeah, and I, I think you're doing yourself a just disjustice if you don't have a captain's loophole. So I might as well push on to the the, the final thing that we want to cover in our Ruck-specific podcast here, JB. Um, I should give a shout-out to Pistol, uh, even though that he's not on the podcast. He's the one that did the lead work in d- discovering this, and we've kind of kept this close to the chest. We didn't want to get this uh, out until we could talk about it on the podcast. And I'm talking about the best option for your R3 uh, loophole, your captain's loophole. Now, a lot of people are talking about um, Tony Alango from West Coast, and admittedly, he is a good option. He's 102,000 ruckman that's not going to get any games, regardless if Nick Nat does both his ACLs at once. <laughs> um, so so that that's one thing we get to bank on. But if we look at all the teams this year, um, Essendon is actually the best team if you're looking to go dusty into danger or danger into dusty every week this year. And as two of the highest, the the two highest scoring players in Supercoach last year, that's not a, a, a bad assumption to be making. There's a lot of players out there that are going to have danger. There's a lot of uh, coaches that are going to have dusty. There's going to be a, a few that have both of them as well. So if you're one of them like me that's running both, the best ruckman you can have for the loophole is actually Luke Lavender from Essendon. So when we're comparing Alango to Lavender, I, I should reiterate that you're picking if you're picking Danger and Dusty, or you're um, planning on getting uh, Danger and Dusty into your side, your side very early in the season. Your best option is Luke Lavender. Of the three, uh, of the four times that he can't be used as a loophole to go either Dusty into Danger or Danger into Dusty. Three of them are after round 19, where you probably have other donuts anyway. Whereas Alango is really only useful for using the um, a week-to-week uh, danger-dusty combination loophole only after round six. So if you're looking to maximize your points at the start of the season, picking danger and dusty, you really should be starting with Luke Lavender um, because he's the best uh, three loophole for the majority um, of the season to begin with, where it's going to it's going to be uh, he, he is the designated loophole option. Yeah, and great, great research by Pistol there, and well said by yourself. So we've got our loopholes set, we've got our Ruckman set. 
I hope this was informative, Cheese. I think we're ready. I think we're about done. Unless you've got any any more little snippets of uh, gem advice to add in there. I think this is probably the only podcast where I haven't got to the end and then changed about five things in my team. Like I think this is the <laughs> the one line that I, I'm happy with what we've talked about, and I don't think I need to change anything. Yeah, the- as, about the same. I've had Ryder and Gorn locked in for a long time, and uh, the lavender uh, comparison with the other loophole was actually very. Very insightful, but I did have lavender in as well. So um, great work, great research by you and and Pistol. I give you half of the the credit there because Pistol's not here to take all of it. So um, well played by all of us. And I'd just like to shout out quickly to William Zerno. So uh, we've just started up our GoFundMe pay or the sorry the Everyday Hero uh, Cancer Council uh, donation page. It's not a GoFundMe, trust me. Uh, all proceeds go to the Cancer Council. We've done this for a few years now. We're consistently racking up over four figures on donations per year. It makes the makes what we do a lot easier when we see the reward for it, Chizo. Uh, so a uh, big shout-out to William, who's our first donation this year. We've only just opened up uh, the link. Our goal is $3,000. We'd love to hit that by the end of the season. William, make sure you send us your team uh, to dr scpod at gmail.com Cheese will correct me if that email is wrong um, and we'll definitely give you a review so touch over $50 to get us going on the year and we will all be making donations ourselves as we do every year because it's for a great cause and make sure you uh, flick us an email to that email address I mentioned earlier uh, for a team review once you've made your donation so we're always happy to do them uh, it's for a great cause and every single cent counts, Chizo. Absolutely, mate. Appreciate you having me on the podcast tonight. Yes, and same goes. Uh, so make sure you give us a follow at sc on the Twitter sphere. So we've been hitting that up quite a lot lately. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, uh, the Facebook page, anywhere that, that you can leave your review, whether it be good or bad. We love constructive criticism. And then give us an individual follow at JB underscore DRSC on Twitter or Chizo with a Z underscore DRSC on Twitter. And we'll be happy to rate your teams or give any sort of advice that we haven't covered in this podcast. Thanks very much, Chizo, and I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Catch you later, community.